of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell radio program. I am super excited about this show today. Hello, America and beyond the fruited plain. Welcome home to the Wendy Bell radio program. This is stacking up to be very interesting. Have you guys noticed that we're a day, two days, sometimes even three days ahead of everybody else with the stories we're putting out there? I think it's wonderful. And a lot of you are sending us information. We appreciate this grassroots movement. And what it is, it's enough people saying, I'm so tired of not trusting the people who I need to get information from. And so I'm going somewhere else. And you have found us here on this radio network, which we created after being silenced for telling the truth. Isn't it great how we're all connected, though? And I think that's really the story of today. We're seeing movement going on out there, ladies and gentlemen, in the House of Representatives. And they're setting up a showdown with the Senate, which is going to be very interesting. A second Republican House member has now announced they will not be running for re-election. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about interesting details about the DOJ surveilling honest, peaceful people who just happened to be in the zip code of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. You don't think you guys are being weaponized against? Oh, we are. We've got proof of it and so much more in the hours ahead. Welcome aboard to all of you. We are so delighted that you're part of our family. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Kind of a toss up in my monologue mind today. Because I do think we have such, there's such a peeling back of the foul-smelling layers of this rotten onion we have called Washington, D.C. And really all of the tentacles that stretch out and reach into our individual zip codes too. There's so many stories on like peeling back those layers today. And it really is exciting because you guys are watching and witnessing a tremendous cleansing 
You know that when things get bad, it's usually going to get worse before the pendulum can swing back the other way. I'm not here to suggest that we've reached that point where the momentum moves, but it all seems now to be making more sense to me. So which of these two stories do you think is more outrageous and more indicative of the suck in which the Marxist communist socialist progressivist left wants us to live? Is it the story about the piling on against Dean Phillips and his run for the nomination for president? Or is it the story in Oregon of a bunch of wacko leftist green tree hugging weirdos who want to completely eliminate and outlaw farming, agriculture, like livestock? You're saying to yourself, that's that's kind of silly. Why would they do that? Have you heard about this animal rights ballot? It's initiative IP3. What a threat. What is this? I have to talk to you guys about this because these are the kinds of people. These are the emotional and totally unhinged, insane initiatives that are popping up all over the place that if you're not paying attention Enough people can get snowed into and enough cheating can happen that this sort of a thing can end up on a ballot in your neighborhood. This animal rights ballot initiative, its effects on Oregonians. You want to know what it says? Well, it criminalizes farmers and ranchers, criminalizes. If you own livestock and you make money, slaughtering that livestock and providing meat to your community, you are guilty of committing murder. Really, this is where we are. This IP3 also outlaws pest control. You have rats, raccoons, sorry, deal with it. How about you want to you want to train your dog? Well, majority of those training techniques will be found to be criminal. Under this IP3, it outlaws research and teaching involving animals, outlaws hunting and fishing. One of America's most beautiful states, Oregon. Sorry, no fishing, no hunting. Good luck with that. Beyond that, if this passed, there would be no more local meat and dairy products for Oregonians. You'd have an inability to control pests, even in the face of public health standards. Families and their pets may be less safe due to lack of training. No more vet or ag students, teachers or research. And basically an Oregon heritage of self-sufficiency, living off of the land, is outlawed. It's erased. You're thinking to yourself, there's no way. There is no way that something that nutty is making their rounds, not even in weird Oregon. Trust me, I'm in weird Pennsylvania, so take that for what it's worth. So they're getting all of these signatures, 10,000 signatures per month. This grassroots lunatic fringe group is. And they're still hiring more signature collectors. Now, if their new signature collectors are able to double or even triple their pace, they will have enough valid signatures, 270,000 which are necessary, by the date next July to put this IP3 on the ballot. What are you doing there, folks? And already, 
It's drawing donations from across the country. Can you imagine living in Oregon like our friend Derek Josie from Honest Farming? Isn't that what it's called, Brock? I believe so, yeah. He's just great. TDI, Honest Farming, whatever it is. I love him. I just was going back and forth with him. He's a dairy farmer, right? If he was to breed any of his animals under this measure... He could be found guilty of sexual assault. Now, let's back up and think about this for a minute. We have 7 to 10 million people we don't know who've already crossed our border, who have settled in some place in our country. Let's just say 10 million. And that's not even the people we don't know about. That's probably close to another two. We know we have a rampant drug problem in this country. Fentanyl. Last year killed 100,000. That's probably conservative. What will it be this year? We have a child human trafficking abomination. The number one moneymaker in this country is the sexual servitude into slavery selling children. And we have this very uninquisitive media who don't touch any of these subjects. Yet in Oregon, if you mind your own business, if you own hundreds of acres of farmland, if you are a fourth or fifth generation farmer, or heck, you're trying it now, they want to take away your livelihood. They want to criminalize what you do. They want to take away the most precious source of food in our chain and make all of us reliant on whatever an ever-growing government seems willing to give us. This isn't a joke. This is actually real. And there are misguided people out there who have gotten sucked into the vortex of lies. I don't know if they're confused, if they find comfort in getting behind absolute lunacy, such as this measure in Oregon. These are the same people who are saying that Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips, because he's decided to get into the ring and run against Joe Biden, alongside Marianne Williamson, right? RFK has switched to the independent side, as you know, because he's thrown his hat in the ring. Dean Phillips, who was liked in Democrat circles up until that moment, is now being called seriously. You cannot make it up. A threat to democracy. Now, do we all understand what democracy to these people means? Democracy isn't equality. It isn't rule based on the will of the majority. It isn't about an elected leadership that does as we wish. Democracy is a word that they throw around like the Constitution, like equity, like fairness, like justice, but only when it suits their individual needs. And anybody who deviates from that is the new enemy number one. We're seeing a tremendous awakening in this country. And it's at the expense of our Jewish community. These people who vote predominantly Democrat, 
who have walked in lockstep with a lot of these progressive groups who now realize they're the new enemy too. These stories are very enlightening. And as we share them with you, you're going to walk through the machinations of a very politicized, weaponized federal government whose intention is to break each and every single one of us who fails to obey. I'm pretty good about not obeying, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you're with me. Ken Buck throwing in the towel. Why he says he's not going to run for his sixth term in office. Oh, Ken, don't let the door hit you. We'll talk about it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. So the news hours ago that Congressman Ken Buck, he's opting against going for re-election, he says. Of course, this is days after he opposed Jim Jordan for the speaker's gavel. Interesting why Ken Buck all of a sudden, and he's A plus, he's almost A plus rated. By the Liberty Score. If you go to libertyscore.conservative review, Ken Buck has something like a 96 score, an A. He votes very much in lockstep with conservative values. So what is it about the job where he's ready to throw in the towel? Well, I think you're going to see some, some results for these folks who decided to go against Jim Jordan. I think we have a wonderful speaker in Mike Johnson. I think Jim Jordan would have been fantastic as well. And these people who really dug in their heels, Kay Kay Granger, she announced yesterday, two days ago, that she's not going to run for re-election. She's an 80-year-old woman. She's really the most powerful person in Texas. She's been in Congress for 25 years. She was also one of those never-Jordan voters. Why are they peeling off? Why are we? She's got an, an F Liberty score, by the way, 51%. So what does Ken Buck say? He's, he's just can't do it anymore. I think this is the interesting part. He says he's very discouraged with the people in his caucus who are lying to the American people. Wait, Republicans, Ken Buck says, lying to the American people. Why ever would that be? He says that anybody who denies the 2020 election results is lying. This is very dangerous rhetoric from somebody who scores pretty high, at least in how he votes and has for the last several years in Congress, votes and acts and speaks as a conservative. So what is it about the 2020 election? In our lifetime, where you're not allowed to say that you question the results, that you're not certain, that there are way too many questions that were never allowed to be brought up, that there was a universal browbeating, a piling on of anybody who said, you know what, I witnessed some really strange things at my polling place. It was a, an immediate unleashing to silence those of us who saw and spoke the truth. Ken Buck says, you know what? I got to go. He puts this uh, Twitter thing up. He says, earlier today, I announced I will not be seeking re-election. To my friends in Colorado, thank you, blah, blah, blah. He used his farewell video to lambaste 
Republicans for denying the results of the 2020 election did not mention Nancy Pelosi, did not mention Hakeem Jeffries or the scores of other Democrats who for the last, what, 20 years, ever since going back to the 2000 election with, with Bush and Gore, how many of these Democrats have denied repeatedly for years the results of other elections? What did Hakeem Jeffries, we have a like a two-minute melt reel of him saying that Donald Trump is the basic unlawful occupant of the Oval Office, the imposter sitting in at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue repeatedly again and again and again. Ken Buck sounds an awful lot like he's cozying up, a la Adam Kinzinger, to CNN. Might that be what's going on, Ken? Do you think perhaps a CNN job would make you a few more bucks than the paltry 175000 or whatever you make in the House of Representatives? Are you seeing it all very clearly? Now, it's different when Kay Granger says she wants to retire. I found it interesting in her article. She said she still doesn't know what she's going to do next. Anything you darn well want. At 80, go live. Get out of there. Breathe. Ken Buck, though, eyeing a position at CNN saying, I'm going to throw my Republican colleagues under the bus because I think it's beyond the pale that anybody should question those results. It's very dangerous. It's very transparent. It's very illustrative of the swamp, the uniparty, the suck. And it's another layer of that rotten onion that we are peeling back. Seeing these true colors. Have you been following Republicans in the House, six of those 12 appropriations bills needed to get to that budget by the end of the year, House Republicans have agreed upon. Six of them in a week, ladies and gentlemen. And what we're hearing is it's going to hit a major roadblock in the Senate. We're going to have rhinos. We're going to have progressives and diehard leftists in the Senate. They control things who are going to put the brakes on any kind of collaboration. So that is going to be the next masterpiece theater for which you need to get your Orville Redenbacher ready. The House is going to do its job. Mike Johnson is going to lead them to that job. They will get it done. It will all get blocked in the Senate. And then there's going to be that, oh, no. We've got to pass something big. Now hurry. The only option, you guessed it, will be the beloved and suckworthy omnibus. Get ready for it. It's going to be coming. I also want to talk in the show today about the knives that are out digging into the financial background of Speaker Johnson. They don't want to look at the $40,000 check that came directly from China that was deposited into Joe Biden's bank account. We're not interested in that. We want to see how much money Mike Johnson has. Oh, boy. All right. Quick time out. When we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program, how about how the DOJ DOJ has been spying on Trump staffers for years? And we have the proof next. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio program. It's interesting, the, the chipping away of the garbage narrative. 
You have a Biden White House. You have a Biden cabinet. An entire complex of suck. And they have this candy shell. It's bright. It looks delicious. It sounds like it's going to be great. And then you open up and you break through that shell and you see what's inside is a putrid, foul-smelling push to communism. Essentially is what we're doing here. When you have a government that can be weaponized against you, depending on where you go as a free individual in these United States, you've crossed over into crazy territory. And we've been there for a while now. And we saw it on January 6th. I think the thing that rattled me most about that day, beyond the unanimous narrative that all media outlets were were presenting, it was the same script. It was the same lines. Conservative, liberal, middle of the road, if there is such a thing, they were all saying the same things. Aside from that, which was so disheartening because, of course, the jig was up at that point. You guys are all the same. Sort of like all of the Beltway, the bubble. See, everybody's swimming in the same filth, no matter what letter is after their name. It was the locking in in Washington, D.C. by D.C. Metro Police. And I believe it was ordered by Mayor Mayor Muriel Bowser to take all of the people who had been at the Capitol, who had listened to the president at the Ellipse, who'd been milling around Washington, D.C. that day, thinking they were going to experience history. And I'm sure most so hopeful that their elected leaders were going to do the right thing, that Mike Pence was going to resist certifying the election because we had a lot of questions. They needed that to go through like white on rice. No debate, no conversation, it's done, issue over. And we were all like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about the 600,000 votes in Pennsylvania that switched overnight after I went to bed? how that happen? And so on and so on. It was the sharing of bank information from Bank of America with the Biden administration and the literal locking in their hotels of January 6th attendees. So when I read this to you, I wonder if you're going to feel further violated or if you're going to sort of shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. This is an article on Breitbart, and it is an exclusive. We caught them red-handed. DOJ spied on GOP staffers probing the origins of the Russia collusion hoax. See, January 6th just awakened us to the degree of filth. But this has been going on behind the scenes for so long. And Donald Trump has all the receipts. Here's the story. The Department of Justice obtained private communications and other personal records of multiple Republican House and Senate staffers who were investigating the department's role in the origins of the Russia collusion hoax. This is according to former senior Trump administration official Cash Patel. Wait a minute. You're using your power, your clearances, 
your access to information to do like a reverse lookup on the people working on Donald Trump's behalf to defend him from wild allegations created by lunatic leftists? Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what they're telling us. A recently revealed subpoena shows that the DOJ sought the records for not only Patel when he was an investigator for then-Representative Devin Nunes, but also for those of Jason Foster, who was, at the time, chief investigative counsel to then-Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, and was also looking into the DOJ's role in the hoax. According to multiple subpoenas revealed so far, the DOJ had subpoenaed Google and Apple and other companies to obtain private records in what Patel believes was an unlawful attempt to dig up dirt on them in retaliation for investigating the Democrat-pushed hoax that, of course, Donald Trump's campaign had colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. So not only did they create, after wiretapping the president, not only did they do that and create that fake dossier funded by G uh, Fusion, GPS, Hillary Clinton, et cetera, et cetera, the DNC. Then when Trump's team started trying to defend him from these wild allegations, which, by the way, led to his impeachment, the Department of Justice, which served at Donald Trump's pleasure at the time, was working behind the scenes to investigate Trump's own team of defense what are they searching for what are they finding what is their approach how do they plan to defend him now didn't he get impeached for a phone call because it was alleged that trump was trying to investigate his political opponent joe biden tell me exactly what's going on here and how this is any different not investigate they were trying to derail. They were trying to weasel in and figure out what his defense was going to be. And they went to search engines, Google, to find out. In an exclusive interview with Breitbart News, Cash Patel called it an abuse of power. That's putting it lightly. He says you can get anything with a grand jury subpoena. And this is what we know about. Did they surveil us with FBI agents? We don't know. If you get a grand jury subpoena, you're not just requesting Google records. You're going to ask for everything that that individual ever touched. Apple, Google, AT&T, Comcast, Xfinity, whatever. It's all coming in. You're not just going after one item. They have the ability to use the FBI databases to call for information. And we know that Chris Ray's FBI just last year was caught illegally querying the FISA database for American citizens 250,000 times. Each one of these instances is illegal. So it's not hard to believe that they would abuse their power again. Who are these people attending school board meetings? Oh, I've got my FBI clearance. Let's just hop on that search engine and see what our records show. What is so-and-so looking at? Where do they shop? Who are they speaking to on the phone? How about their text messages? What information are they trying to find? Are they trying to find on the internet? You don't think they can do it to you?
Of course you do. Patel and Foster only learned about the DOJ's subpoena from their private records when they were notified by Google and other firms after court seals keeping the subpoena's secret expired. Oopsies. Google notified Foster earlier this month that in 2017, the DOJ obtained records for his Google Voice telephone number between December 1st of 2016 and May 1st of 2017. Interesting time frame, isn't it? Happens to be the exact time that he was investigating the Russia hoax. Foster told the news that the DOJ also went after his wife's phone records and also possibly one of his work phones he used for Senate business. This was just one fishing expedition to gather intel on their overseers in Congress, Foster told the outlet. We were their primary oversight committee, and we were asking them very pointed and difficult questions they didn't want to answer. The DOJ official who signed the subpoena was somebody named Tejpal Chawla, a federal prosecutor who's donated to... Democrats. Chawla, an assistant U.S. attorney in the Washington, D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, has donated a total of $2,851 to political campaigns since 1999, including to Democrat Pact Act Blue, Barack Obama's presidential campaign, and Democrat senators and House members. Really? I mean, come on. The person signing off on this is a Biden donor, somebody who gives to act blue of sock, <laughs> who's going to say, no, I think this is really important. We need to find out what these people are doing. Donald Trump had just won. He wasn't even in office yet. And the machinations of this were underway. Cash Patel said in an interview Tuesday, the DOJ's conduct dwarfs It's spying of Senate Intelligence Committee staffers who were investigating the CIA's alleged abuse of suspected terrorists in detention. Remember that? There, they snooped on the the staffers' computers. Here, they're collecting up all of our data. Cell phone, banking, personal financial, email, text. And that's just what we know about. Patel is suing the DOJ for violating his constitutional rights. He says it's particularly egregious since he was acting as a congressional watchdog at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, if we have checks and balances and somebody waving a magic wand of power can investigate the watchdogs to find out what they know, how they know it, and then use it against them, this isn't isn't America. Dean Phillips is a threat to democracy because he wants to run against Joe Biden. So says the left today in a new chorus of idiocy. This is your threat to democracy. This is an egregious violation of every single damn right. Everything that we hold dear in this country as American citizens. How dare they? Christopher Ray. You dirtbag. The Department of Justice has to be dismantled. 
top to bottom. It has to completely be blown up. Let's add that with our other alphabet agencies. The FDA, the CDC, the DOE, Department of Education, and all the others that have become instruments, weaponized instruments of a select few of people in Congress, select few, who believe that they are the ones who should always be in power and you are the ones who should always be their serfs. <sighs> Unbelievable. How about this story? The 23 Republicans who voted against the censure of Rashida Talib. If you can't get your caucus together, how are you supposed to be taken seriously? Well, we'll talk about this. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday decided she was going to push a measure to censure Rashida Tlaib. And I'm looking in, I had this wonderful uh, article and for some reason I am not finding it right now. Because it lists all of the names. Brock, if you could help me, it's on the Daily Caller. Um, I don't know why I didn't bookmark it. That's my fault. So anyway, obviously Rashida Tlaib has different views than many of, of us, than we do. She's 100% hook, line, and sinker, pro-Palestine, anti-Israel. She stood outside the Capitol with a megaphone, a bullhorn, she spread the lie, the fake news story that it was Israel that had bombed a hospital when it was really Hamas fighters sending up a bad rocket that ended up petering out and, and fell down in the parking lot of the hospital. We still don't know if anybody was hurt. have no idea. How can you believe anything that's coming out? So Marjorie Taylor Greene comes out and she says, look, we need, to, we need to eliminate this. We need to get her censured. She needs to be pulled off of her committees. Remember, and Marjorie Taylor Greene is butthurt still because she was yanked off of hers. Here are the 22 Republicans who voted with Democrats to kill censure of Rashida Tlaib. Now, there are some names on this list that are a bit surprising to me. And one could argue that censuring somebody's language and or rhetoric and or feelings about something is a violation of the First Amendment. I would like the same treatment afforded to me when I say I have serious questions about what happened in 2020. And I would posit that to Ken Buck, who wants to finger wag the Republican Party for spreading lies to America, as he said, about talking about the 2020 election being fraudulent. We can argue under the First Amendment umbrella that Rashida Tlaib has the, has the freedom, has the right to say whatever she wants. In fact, the First Amendment isn't to protect speech we agree with, but quite actually the opposite. To provide a robust melting pot of ideas. I happen to find hers abhorrent. But I do believe that she has the right to say what she says, to stand by, sink or swim on her own. So here are the names of the people who did not, he, they voted to table the measure before there was an actual vote. So if you table it, 
It doesn't come up. It's just an expedited failure. These are the names. You do what with this as you will. Marjorie Taylor Greene says this is the list of feckless Republicans that voted with Democrats to table my censure resolution against Rashida Tlaib. This is why Republicans never do anything to stop the communist Democrats or even ever hold anyone accountable. Pathetic, she wrote. Armstrong, Buck, Duarte, Edwards, Griffith, Grothman, Hageman, Huzenga, Isa, Johnson of South Dakota, LaMalfa, Massey, McClintock, McCormick, Miller, Miller Meeks, Mulinar, Roy, Chip Roy, interesting, Austin Scott, Sparts, Turner, Van Orden, and he ended up coming back and saying, no, I actually want to change my vote, and Wahlberg. Now, of these names, there's only a couple that strike me. Massey and Roy, those strike me. Why would they vote against this measure? I don't know. But the article continues, and this is from the Daily Caller. Before the vote, Green had tweeted, Tonight, the House will vote on my resolution to censure Jihad Squad member and leader of the Hamas erection, Rashida Tlaib. Tlaib must be censured for her anti-American, anti-Semitic hatred. I hope every member of the House, R or D, votes to hold this behavior accountable. I don't think she helps her matters here at all. I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene, for whatever good she has done in various realms, she has been dogged with this, this oversight. She has been out in front and center talking about all of the money laundering operations with the Biden family. She's pushed back loudly and dependably on the laptop nonsense, even going so far as to print out some of the disgusting images on Hunter Biden's laptop. Whether that moved the needle in Congress or not, I don't know. But I don't think that saying jihad squad member is making any friends. I don't know if this is where we are. I don't like Rashida Tlaib any more than the next people. But I think it's up to the folks in Rashida Tlaib's district to figure out what to do with her. What to do with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. What to do with Cori Bush. As the folks in St. Louis, Missouri are looking at alternatives. The same goes with Ayanna Presley. The same goes with Jamal Bowman, the serial liar, the fire alarm yanker extraordinaire. This gets changed at the local level. We, the people, decide. So to Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I do know how I feel specifically about something that is very successful, something that's happened in a small community, a small town with only about 8,000 registered voters, where a difference can be made, where a difference was made, a huge ruling in a Bridgeport, Connecticut mayoral primary case. We've been walking you through this for the last month or so. Do it again, said the judge. Too much fraud.
Huh. Bridgeport can do it. What's going on with the rest of the country? We'll take you there next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.